Say you're a professional landscaper. You're not just tough. You're professional grade. And so are your tools. Because you got best-in-class Echo X-Series products. You got a perfect balance of power, weight, and performance from a professional-grade 56-volt battery system. Max-out battery tech that gives 100% power till a 0% charge. Echo X-Series means best-in-class tools for best-in-class pros. So when we say Echo is professional-grade, we mean it. Echo. Power on and on. This episode is brought to you by Skinny Pop Popcorn. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Oh, so light and crunchy. Skinny Pop Original Popcorn is the snack you've been searching for. Made with just three simple ingredients, popcorn kernels, sunflower oil, and salt. Snacking never felt or tasted so good. Perfectly popped, endlessly delicious. Give yourself permission to snack and pick up Skinny Pop Original Popcorn today. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount+. Plus. An unlikely friendship begins in the Paramount Plus original movie, Little Wing, starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Reeling from her parents' divorce, Caitlin steals a valuable bird to save her home, but instead forms a bond with the owner, leading to a new outlook on life. Little Wing, now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. Head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Rated PG-13. Hello and welcome to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast, brought to you by the team here at the magazine. Join us as we chat all things gardening with the nation's favourite experts. Welcome to the Gardener's World podcast. My name is Aris Anderson and today I've come to the home of Dame Judi Dench, where I'm going to explore her love and passion for trees. But I'm also joined by friend and tree expert, Tony Kirkham, and I'm sure they'll be telling me about their journeys and travels around the world, exploring these marvellous species of trees. But first, I'm about to understand from Judy just when her tree passion started. Well, Judy, I have to say, it's an absolute delight to be in your garden here it's gorgeous surrounded by trees and I, I just wanted to ask you the first question did you know that Surrey was the most wooded county in England is this why you, is that why you chose to live here it wasn't it wasn't and nor was it my choice it was um entirely my husband's choice who who uh, we lived in in Warwickshire uh near Stratford for a time and and uh, it Michael saw the house and we came down and it was love at first sight. And here we are. It is, yes, the most wooded county, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But I have, a, I have a wonderful thing that I've got to pass on. When we did um, the film All Is True with Ken Browner about Shakespeare, there's a little girl in it, uh, Lucy Bevan's daughter, who I think was about nine or ten, and she said to me during the filming, she said... Have you ever wondered how many leaves there are in the world? What a great question. Do you know? <laughs> it's because you said about most wooded. Everywhere I go now, I look <laughs> and see and think of her. Aww. And think of her, Olivia. Um, can you, have, have you ever thought how many leaves there are? I mean, it's... it's, it's, it's Desperate, it's, a, it's a great, it's a great question, and it's and it's very visual. It's wonderful, very, but very it makes visual. you also notice notice yeah. things so yeah, much. Definitely. <laughs> and, and talking of being young, and and you know your your sort of first connections with trees. Do you remember exactly what it was? Your childhood memories. The youngest mem memory is that what you say? The mm. youngest memory mm. I have is that our next door neighbour had a pear tree, a beautiful pear tree, and my brother, one of my brothers and I, used to get a rake, and we used to rake the pears off the next door neighbour's <laughs> tree into our garden. That's my first memory, <clears throat> and the second memory is of Mr. Wrightson, who was the man who used to bring a horse and cart 
which had vegetables on it every day, uh, all the way around. You went out and you just got your vegetables and, you know, bought them that way. And he, every Christmas, used to bring a Christmas tree right. uh, to all the houses in York. Um, and that was a, an intense excitement when the tree arrived. And one year it, it arrived and we decorated it. And the very next morning we came down and there wasn't a single ornament on the tree. Oh. And a little mouse was living in the tree <laughs> and, and remained there for the rest of Christmas. We encouraged him. Oh. But uh, there wasn't an ornament left on the tree. <laughs> that we gave up. <clears throat> no, I like the I like the idea of you raking, uh, the, raking, the, the, raking the pears, the pears off. off, which is a different way of scrumping, I guess. Uh, that's, so, that's so cool. But in terms of like you know, so that 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 first childhood memory, and I think you know, I spoke about this before. Um, you know, my memories about a big old oak tree that used to be. Um, outside our, well, sort of just outside our house, and it was the anchor tree. Don't go out past, you're not allowed to go out past the oak tree. Yes. And it's where we all, you know, uh, convened at. It was our Tim Tam Tommy was all around this oak tree. And, and it's that real first connection. And you don't realise it as a kid that it's this tree that you actually really love. It's just yes. it's a beacon, isn't it? It's like a beacon. It is. And I, really as a little girl, used to get irrationally upset about seeing long lorries with huge trees cut down on them. I still don't like it. Mm. Um, uh, and you, you know, cut all the, all the forests up in Yorkshire and around York and things, they, they continually, those great lorries come down and pass the house. That's always upset me. Right, yeah. I guess it's this, was that, is it the feeling of that sort of, it's severed and just yes, now? And, and the, I don't know, something about it that I, I have never, Never liked. Yeah, and so and so from from that because obviously you've got the, the love and the passion, and then obviously having that kind of not not liking that disconnection. When did you kind of realise that you know that you wanted to to take your passion forward, if you like, or did, is it just always just been with you? I don't remember a time. Michael was very very fond of trees, and, but I don't remember a time. I don't remember a time when I didn't always love them. I, mm. I can't remember a time when I suddenly... I just remember having, you know, being lucky enough to have gardens and wonderful apple trees we had at home. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I don't know the names of lots of trees. Shameful, isn't it? That's not why. Well, I've got a bit of time. <laughs> I can do that, can't I? We've got um, friends that... We've got, we've got Tony friends. Kirkham. Exactly. We have, we have friends that do, Judy. Tell That's me. <laughs> just ask, yes. <laughs> and you've got that wonderful app now, haven't you? Yeah. You can... Isn't it called Picture This? I want one of those so much on my phone. <laughs> Picture This. David has it. And you just point and it tells you exactly yeah. what you're looking at. Absolutely. You don't need to know all the names. I don't think you need to know all the names. Wonderful. <laughs> so, I mean, in, in, in your garden now, because you've been here, what, 30 years, is it? or I think... About that? I think m more. OK. More than 30 years, I think. And how many trees do you think you've actually planted here, Judy? Do you know, I have no idea. But we've planted, we've planted, we've planted, um, the, there is uh, a, an apple orchard with a few apple trees. And this year I've added to it and put a lot of cherry trees in it, mm. um, uh, which we plant, you know, to our friends who die. Uh, and so we've planted a lot. And uh, I go around and check on all the people who are there. You know, all our friends. Well, not all of them, actually. I've got a whole forest more, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. The, the thing, do you, do you ever... I mean, I, I really like that you have these trees and you've spoken before about the fact that it's that memory, it, you know, has the opportunity to truly live on. There's a physical living on of, of that of that yes. tree. Is there is there ever an anxiety about the tree being planted if it doesn't does it make it? Do you, ever... you mean something might happen? Well to yeah, because people get worried about planting <coughs> planting something in memory and then there's this a friend of mine was this this anxiety that she was going to plant this tree in memory uh, of someone and, and what happens Ari, if if anything happens to it and I'm like well, you just plant another well, can't you? Yeah. <laughs> yes. But a couple of Christmases ago I sent everybody an acorn and a little vase and 
I, I've checked up with all the people I've, I've been with. Mine is over there, just over there. And he's called Brentford, much to my grandson's <laughs> annoyance. <laughs> but uh, Brentford's doing frightfully well. Uh, and, and I've got messages from everybody saying, you know, these little trees uh, are growing and, and it's such a... I was thrilled yeah. to find that, that somebody did this. A little, little vase. And there's something so glorious about watching it. Yeah. And seeing suddenly you see roots come out of this tiny little acorn, oh, and it's a great year this year for acorns. Mm. I don't know if you noticed, but the tree at the gate that, uh, uh, yeah. that is over the garden—it's it's full laden. of acorns. I did, I did see it as we I came need in. need to get the piggies in here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I guess it's that thing, isn't it, about the um, that future hope of planting a, a tree, you know, and, and, and you know, the, and the and acorns and oaks are, I think, particularly uh, special to you, aren't they? They are because it's, uh, I, yes, I have a family name, which is Oak, which, which Sam has, Samuel Michael Oak, and my cousins have. I'm sorry that I didn't get it, <laughs> but anyway, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good name and I, and I love the trees, love them. So, with the with the oaks, then, because there was a little bit of uh, genealogy that you did, didn't you, when you did um, when you was looking down your family line? And is there any, was it was it the oak come up then? Was that how it was found? It, it did come up. It did come up. Um, <clears throat> we we they trace in the program. They traced <clears throat> the family back to somebody called Anders Biele in Denmark who's in love with they say a peasant woman poor lady but he loved her very very much indeed but they weren't married I think but they had a son called uh, Steen Anderson Billet and in this portrait I've got of Anders Billet uh, he has his family crest in one corner and in the other is a new family crest, mm -hmm. which is an oak tree cut down with a tiny little sapling beside it. And I thought, that's, that's, that's because of his son. Yeah. That's maybe that's, that's where this link goes back yeah. all the way to the thing about the oak. <clears throat> and um, so it's, it's very nice to have a, a tie-up between, you know, between both sides of the family, yeah. my father's side and my mother's side. Wow, on both that's, that is amazing, and I think you know the oak because everybody's really, t you know, drawn to oaks, the strength and the, the longevity, yes. you know, the stability that they give you, and that's a that's a wonderful thing about trees because I think that you know over sort of so many years, thousands of years, there's so much folklore and and history, isn't there, to it? Yes. I mean, is that something yes. that you also kind of connect to the the sort of meaning <coughs> of trees as yes. well? Yes, everything to do with that. And also, I, what is a nice thing is that um, my friend Tony Sher died not long ago, and um, Greg Doran, who is partner, uh, I'm, I saw at um, Stratford at Shakespeare's birthday this year, and I was able, we were talking, I'm talking about... Greg, uh, about uh, Tony, and I was able to actually send him a picture when I got back here of Tony's tree. You know, and he, yeah. and that was, that, well, afforded some kind of continuous feeling, I think. Yeah. Hopefully, well, hopeful, hopefully some kind of comfort. But that one there, that one there, mm -hmm. is uh, Eddie Izzard's father. Oh, really? Yes, who had three names. That's too long a story to tell you. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, all three names are on it. But that's grown immensely. Well, you see, this is the thing you can see. I like the fact that we can walk around this garden and we don't and need to worry about... And identify people. Well, yeah, exactly, identify people. We don't have to actually yeah. identify the botanical names. We can just go and say those, yes. you know... Yes, yes. is our father and... That's right, know. I wouldn't be able to tell you what that tree was, no, actually. No. But I know it's Eddie's father. Yeah. <laughs> that's lovely. So, it, I mean, this is like, I guess, the most ridiculous question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. So do you have a... Apart from the oak, do you have any other 
favourite tree species that you do know the names of? Well, it's quite difficult, actually. I, just, I wouldn't know where to start. Just before we went up to Stratford this year, I planted a tree to Shakespeare. I thought, well, I didn't know him, not in so many words, but it's the kind of time to do it, maybe. Yeah. And so then I thought, what kind of tree should I, should I uh, plant for him? And, and I thought, well, the first part I ever played was Ophelia, Hamlet, and then I played Gertrude. And um, Ophelia, of course, Gertrude has that famous speech, that as a willow grows a slant the brook. And so I thought, I'll plant a willow. Lovely. So that's what we've done. Yeah. I hope it's all right. I haven't been to see it for a bit. I'm sure it'll be. And with the lack of rain, the pond is a bit low. Well, the willow's got very, very deep roots, hasn't yeah. it? Yeah. It Will it be all right, Tony? It'll be fine. Good. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've got, well, Tony, I mean, obviously you're, you're here with, with Judy and I as well, <laughs> sitting there mm. listening to our lack of botanical knowledge. <laughs> Shocking, I know, I know. But, but you two, you met, you know, a, a few years ago now, haven't you? We did, we did. I think it was five years ago, Judy, wasn't it? And we did. I think the, I've known you all my life. <laughs> my passion for. <laughs> well, I, I, feel, I feel like that, actually. I mean, we just bonded immediately and we, we did the. Uh, Although film. Lancashire and Yorkshire, we shouldn't, well, you see. It was the white and red rose, wasn't it? Was the white it? and the red but rose, we, did it? But I think we, uh, we re bonded the two counties, didn't we? We did. Yeah. And we filmed uh, My Passion for Trees. It was uh, an amazing programme. Uh, and basically, it was about the trees in in Surrey, and uh, and bringing Judy's passion for trees out, and that certainly came out even within the first few minutes of meeting. We were talking trees, even though you didn't know what they were. Um, but it was it was just a, a fantastic year. We did the seasons, and uh, and I always look forward to to coming down or, or meeting Judy on location somewhere, and. Uh, and showing her different aspects of trees that she was fond of but didn't really, I suppose, understand it. But then and it was drawing that out and, uh, and then and Judy became, well, she was already passionate, but she became even more passionate. And we had su such a ball and that was one of the great we things did. about trees, that bringing people together. And, um, Say um, about the walk you did. Oh, to see the tallest tree. The tallest tropical tree in the, the world. The tallest yeah. tropical tree in the world. Wow. Tony walked to it. We, we were... They said it'll only take you about 11 minutes, didn't they? Said something <laughs> like that. We had a discussion. We were in Borneo filming uh, Judy's <coughs> Borneo adventure. And, uh, and they said, oh, a few weeks ago, we discovered the tallest tropical tree in the world. And it's, it's just up, up the valley. Would you like to go and see it? And it's it's only an hour's walk, something like that. So, yeah, I'm up for that. And uh, eight hours later, <laughs> and I forgot how hot and humid it was in Borneo, being a temperate person, I was exhausted, ran out of water. Didn't they have to cut the thing for you and they, pour it into the flowers? They cut a vine and poured the water out of the vine into my water bottle to get because we were all dehydrated. And 16 hours later... <laughs> Uh, I rolled up back at the um, the, the, the lodge, lodge, exhausted, but exhilarated, and it was really the adrenaline and excitement of seeing, and um, probably one of the first people to see the tallest tropical tree in the world, a, a huge yellow maranti, that got me back, and knowing that Judy was back there um, to to share what I what I'd seen, and then the next day. We went up one. We we, uh, we, we went climbed up one. one. Not that one, but no, another one. Thirty quite meters up. Tall, we went. Yeah. Yes. And I was so impressed with Judy going no, up. No, there. no, not with me. We sent David up first <laughs> <laughs> to test the ropes. <laughs> and Unding, do you remember? Unding, yeah. Unding, yeah. He pulled. He pulled us up. This yeah. adorable boy pulled us up right yeah. to the top Un of the Unding tree. Unding was a, an arborist in in Borneo who was the first to climb this tallest tree. And measure it and uh, yeah he was an amazing person who was just he was together with nature wasn't he yeah, when when you were with him you felt safe and uh, you, you wouldn't have wanted anyone else with you he was an amazing person so so nice old, so he was a youngster a youngster and but, what does it feel like Judy to be 30 meters up in a tree canopy you know with Tony Kirkham 
looking out well, we over. weren't together, <laughs> were we? We were yeah, kept we... apart, weren't we? No, we were together. Were you up there? I was, I was stopping you, you spinning around you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I didn't notice. <laughs> it's you were, charming, you were busy it? looking at that's, spiders. That's, that's the conversation of a friend, isn't it? Yes, because yeah. yes, when I saw it, I'm all the whole way up the street. <laughs> I laughed. So much, much more than any comedy I've ever seen. Because you, you know, you think, gosh, that's a long way up. And you, when you're watching, you think, gosh, she's going a long way up the tree. And then at the t- I, you don't, I don't say anything at all. And then suddenly at the top, I say, oh, hello, Tom. I say, <laughs> as if, as if, well, I don't know what. There was an entomologist <laughs> up the tree, just stood on a branch waiting for us. And the way that Judy but said it, it's like know. she was walking down oh, Bond Street in London. So Hello, Tom, in a very posh voice. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, and I love the fact that the two of you, this, this started in Surrey, you know, this started in Surrey, yeah. and your adventures have taken you 30 metres up Amazing. the tree in Borneo. And that yeah. is, like you said, the, the love of trees. They're obviously clearly, you're part of the tree network now. I yeah. hope so. Yeah. But there's all those people underground, you know. I didn't know about those people. I didn't oh, know yeah. about the tree signalling through through all the roots and things. I didn't know about that no. they gave out that kind of that kind of like a powder, don't they? If there's any kind of threat yeah. to them, and oh. yeah, that was amazing. Can you remember we uh, we looked at the Scots pine <clears throat> that when it comes under attack from a, an aphid it can send out signals to other trees and use pheromones that um, tell the other trees to get ready, but also to signal to ladybirds that there's a feast here on the table waiting for you. And it's like, I think we described it, or you described it, Judy, as the equivalent of blood in water to a shark. Can you remember that? And, yes. and then the ladybirds came in uh, and, and then and devoured the, uh, the aphids. And, and to see to witness how nature works and how trees communicate to each other was was just fascinating. Yeah. It's Shakespeare in trees, really, isn't it? Yeah. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. If you're shopping while working, eating, or even listening to this podcast, then you know and love the thrill of the hunt. But are you getting the thrill of the best deals? Rakuten shoppers do. They get the brands they love with the most savings and cash back. And you can get it too. Start getting cash back at your favorite stores like UGG, Samsung, and Expedia. And even stack sales on top of cash back. It's easy to use and you get your cash back through PayPal or check. The idea is simple. Stores pay Rakuten for sending them shoppers and Rakuten shares the money with you as cash back. Download the free Rakuten app and never miss a deal. Or go to Rakuten.com to start getting the most bang for your buck. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N. That's Rakuten. This episode is brought to you by Seed. Probiotics are most effective when they make it to your colon, alive. That's why Seed developed a patented two-in-one capsule that safeguards viability of its DSO-1 daily symbiotic through digestion to deliver the maximum dose to your colon. No refrigeration necessary. Visit seed.com slash Spotify and use code SPOTIFY25 to get 25% off your first month. I guess that's the fascinating thing, isn't it, about trees, that uh, there is so much going on with them. You know, we just see them as... Some people might just see them as these static beings with a couple of moving leaves, but there's all this activity that Mm. is going around them that we don't see. And, And, Judy... You know, I'm aware that your site, sadly, has, you know, deteriorated over the, over the years. But that not seeing, how does that affect you in terms of your connection with trees? How has it shifted over the years? I don't think it's affected me at all with my relationship with trees because, fortunately, fortunately, it's been quite gradual. Got, so I haven't, I haven't noticed 
I, I notice over a period of time it's got worse, but um, because I know, it's like, you know, having a group of friends that you know well, uh, so it, it, what I can't see is, is all the tree at all times. Mm. I, I'm aware of them and I'm aware of them changing colour and, and the fact that the leaves f started to fall very, very early this year and things like that. Um, and also, where were we, Tony, that I heard that... Were you with me in that bluebell wood? I wasn't, but I, it was amazing, and wasn't it? And they brought a thing like a, yeah. like a stethoscope and, and you could hear the put sap. it to the... Mm. Well, you know, if you think that a tree is standing kind of mm. barren and hasn't got any leaves on, you think, mm. you know, and, it, and, it's, and it's winter, it's much busier than mm. it is in the summer. Yeah. And this huge rush of water mm. of it was just well miraculous mm. when you think when you it's the force of it and the strength of it and gosh when you, when you told me about that Judy I went straight out and bought a stethoscope a doctor's stethoscope yes and you can actually hear through a stethoscope yes so now when I go and do a tree inspection for someone Dr. Kirkham arrives and I put the stethoscope on and they say, what are you doing? I say, I'm just checking the pulse of the tree. And, and they don't right, believe you that you can hear anything. Yes. But when you let them have a go and they're fascinated by it, it's, uh, but it is worth listening. It's worth listening to trees, yeah. It certainly yeah. is. And actually, t just touching trees, I think, I'm sure people used to say to me, you know, when you walk past a tree in the Arboretum, you, used to, you just pull the branch, you know, the leaves through your hands. Why do you do that? And I went, I'm not sure really, but A, I enjoy doing it, but also I think the tree knows that I'm there. Yeah. There's just something about this. That's it. And Why I think, wouldn't it? Well, exactly. Mm. And I think that's the thing, isn't it? Cause, because, you know, we kind of always think it's just about that visual, but it isn't. We can take in trees in so many mm. different ways, stroking the bark, mm. listening to the, the, to the leaves, as you say. I love the fact that we can now get a stethoscope <laughs> and go and listen <laughs> to the, the water rush as yeah. well. Yeah. But, you know, I know that when I'm, when I'm sitting, you know, quite, really quietly, you know, and... and in a, a woodland, I like going up to um, the uh, Isabella Plantation mm. uh, garden that's up at Richmond Park. It's mm. quite secluded little park in there, and and it's that feeling, isn't it? It's not it, you can close your eyes and just feel immerse yourself, really yes. immersed. Yes. yes, yeah. And you lean against a tree, or you just hug it. I don't care. People yeah. think you're dotty if you hug trees. Why? Why? I mean, gosh, it's just strength and the yeah. and the everything. Yeah, much stronger than us. And and, and well, they're like trees. I always say to people, trees are like people, and I always compare them to people that you know they are. They don't have a brain, but they're socially uh, together in families. And trees live in woodlands. They communicate mm. to each other. They share each other. They help each other out if a, if a tree's struggling. And, and I've witnessed in North America um, seeing albino redwoods, so pure white redwoods that can't photosynthesize, no chlorophyll, but they're alive and they're big trees. And the only way they can survive is by their neighbors sharing food and resources with them. So it does, you know, it, it, I've seen it from my own mm. eyes that that's what happens. They work together and they help each other during times of stress, just like we do as, as people. And that's why I guess we've got to, you know, we need to pull together now, don't we, and, and plant oh, trees. I mean, the definitely. fact that you're, you know, you're still planting trees into your lovely garden, Judy. Yeah. I mean, that's just a message for all of us, isn't it? That we should just. If you have the room. Yeah. If you have the room. And I guess also there's lots of um, tree planting um, initiatives that are going mm. on at the minute. So obviously at the moment we have the Queen's Canopy, for example, Tony. Mm, yeah. You've been in, in, um, involved in that. Yeah. What, what are some of the things that you've, you've seen across uh, the country? Well, I, I've seen tree planting bring communities together. I've seen tree planting bring families together. And I've seen tree planting bring everybody together. You know, it, it's, uh, it's a way of, um, of sharing... Um, well, sharing, doing something and leaving a legacy um, together. So the Queen's Green Canopy has been a fantastic uh, project that 
we've st and if anyone still wants to be involved, they can still do it because it runs into spring 2023. So we have another planting season. And I know Judy, I know how much pleasure Judy gets from planting trees. I, I do as well. And we, we share that, that love and passion of that. Uh, because it is a it is a great feeling, and you know what we need to do is preserve what we've already got. So existing woodlands that are already working and banking carbon and, uh, and maintaining a um, a cycle of, of biodiversity and a habitat, we've got to preserve that now, and um, and then continue planting and in, and increasing that tree canopy everywhere, not just in the countryside, but you know more so in urban in urban areas mm -hmm. and uh and, and involving people that will then respect those and look after them because yeah. the looking after is part of it as well i think isn't it mm. sometimes there's can be a big rush to plant trees but then it's it's the longevity is, is the looking after them as well that's right yeah that aftercare uh, and especially this summer i mean this for for a project a tree planting project this summer was probably the worst year ever to be planting trees and uh, <coughs> but I think the great thing about, you know, personally planting a tree, you're going to look after it and you're going to make sure it survives and uh, and it will get through. And, um, you know, autumn's here mm. uh, and trees can relax a bit. And as I say, they're like people. We, we relax, trees relax, and we're all stress-free, aren't we, Judy? Yeah. I mean, Judy, you said earlier, which, you know, talking of autumn and, and the leaves dropping, because as you said, the, the leaves have been dropping really early. And um, I'm, I'm guessing, Tony, that a lot of that's been down to the drought. Yes. So, I mean, how are our um, trees going to kind of bounce back after what has clearly been a hugely stressful time? It's, it's going to be uh, tough, but trees are resilient things uh, and they're very adaptive. So... Um, I'm sure that you know what we've witnessed this summer is just a blip in a cycle and remember trees have been around for a long time and so a year in the life of a tree is is probably like um, 25 50 years for uh, for you and I so um, um, they, they will bounce back and um, you know and it may take a couple of years but uh, but the, the, they can cope with situations like this that's good to know because mm. I think there's going to be a lot of people out there quite worried about their mm. trees and you know because they did sort of sort of start turning autumn like <laughs> in sort of July almost and yeah. um, and I think that's the thing isn't it people a bit worried and hosepipe bans as well which didn't yeah. help um, in terms of that watering regime so is there anything that people should sort of do um, sort of this especially if we have another dry winter yeah that that's the worry is, is a dry winter. If we have a wet winter, then uh, that soil moisture will build up and trees will, will take that in. Fortunately, most trees have, have produced buds, so, you know, it, it's an early autumn. I think uh, I think we've heard it called a false autumn, but it is basically an, an early autumn. And uh, and sometimes that's good for trees because trees are like us. We, we need a, to sleep. We need a... If we don't get enough sleep, then we're moody. Uh, and trees are the same so if we have a long summer and autumn and then trees don't go dormant until quite late and then we have an early spring they wake up moody just like we do and and then they've got a long summer ahead of them so I think this year early autumn not to expect autumn, a good autumn colour and uh, and they'll, they'll bounce back with a little help from us as well yeah that's good mm. yeah, I planted um, for the Queen's green canopy I planted a Him Himalayan silver birch. Very it's nice. very beautiful. Yeah. But I got two because I wanted to plant one to Michael Bentall, who was the director of the OVIC, when I went there in 1957. And the deer have come along and ruined the bark of it. Mm. We'll go and have a look at it, Judy, we'll. after, and, we uh, and see what we can do. And see. Yeah, yeah. So what, what, what else have you planted this year, Judy? A lot of cherry trees. Cherries? Yes, yeah. in the apple orchard. Yeah. I mean, to so many people, to Stephen Sondheim and to Hal Prince and, yeah. and to Tony Sher and to my dresser, Annie, yeah. and to my great, great, great friend, Joanne Hope. You know, great crowd of people. Mm. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot more to go in, yeah. um, but we'll do it at some point. Nick says I'm running out of room. <laughs> Nick, who does my garden? You might have to buy that field but, uh, over there. But another field. Another field. Mean? Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> Just to knock on some neighbours' doors. Do you mind awfully? Yes, do you mind awfully if I move over? <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind. Gigi, <laughs> I'm just wondering, you know, within your own garden, have you had any trees that have suffered as a result of this summer that you may have lost? Um, I've had some branches and and I think that Tony's going to be asked about that tree in the middle there, which Nick thinks is dead. I don't think it's oh, dead. Oh, yeah, it's an ash. It is yeah, an ash, Yeah, so it's probably got ash dieback. Oh, Tony, yeah. don't say that. We'll have a look. Mm. Whisper it to me first, will you? <laughs> I will. I'll whisper it to you and, and just say opportunities. So everybody's yeah. worried when, when we lose a tree, but actually it gives us opportunities to, to plant something else and do something well, different. Yes, but look at I it. I know they're old the friends. I know. I know. Yeah. I mean, anyway. I, I know it's really t tough, isn't it, really? Because, I mean, there are some people, you know, dependent on the tree, you're able to leave the trees, as we call it, sort of standing dead, because mm. they're obviously still, you know, giving a lot back in the garden, yes. you know, yes. Yes. biodiversity yes. And, and obviously insects and, and, and microorganisms. But I guess, Tony, we have to be be sure that the, t the tree isn't going to... It's safe. It's safe, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's and sure. often... You know, a dead tree, there is often more life in a dead tree than a, than a live tree, but and providing, as you say, Arit, that it's safe, um, then it's good to leave standing dead wood. And, and as gardeners, we're, we're very tight, we're too tidy uh, and often quick to clear up leaves. And I have a hedgehog at home in my garden and, and the hedgehog's been with us for about five years and I don't, I don't know where it lives. But I've put pop holes in the fence so he can, he or she can move about. <coughs> and my dogs go absolutely mad at night when when it comes out. But it's clearing up the worms and the slugs. You know, it's biological control. It's my pest and disease management machine. And then the other night, came out with babies. So I've got I've got baby hedgehogs. Oh, Tony. And so it's oh, fantastic. One. But but, I, and I've found out where it lives. And I've got a, I blow all my leaves to the back of the shed, and where they all fall and, and break down, the head, that's where the hedgehogs and, and the hedgehogs have been living there for five years now. Now just think, if I cleaned all that up, and then I had a sterile garden, the hedgehog would probably move on and think I'm not staying here. So, you know, we we're often too clean as gardeners, and Ooh. and leaving the odd wood pile and leaf pile is is, and because. All my apples on my Bramley have been falling early. Where they've been falling on the lawn, and I keep them on the lawn, there's a bit of dew come up and moisture and maybe a worm under there, and that's where the hedgehog feeds every night, under the apples that I've left on the lawn. So it's, um, and, it, and it's just wonderful to see. You see, permission to be scruffy yeah. by Tony Kirkham. I'm loving that, Tony. <laughs> no, but it's so true, though, isn't it? Because, you know, yeah. we do get a little bit bit worried about, you know, yeah. having things look neat. And it's like, neat for who? Because, yeah. I mean, one thing that I think is so, <clears throat> so lovely, and especially what you've created here, Judy, is is knowing that the garden... We don't live in the garden. We visit our gardens. Mm. We spend time in our gardens. Mm but we don't actually live in them. And therefore creating a garden is so important of thinking of it for all the other creatures mm. that, that actually reside in here. Mm. So I guess everything we can do, you know, if, if there is a tree that's dead, if it can stay and you've got the space and it's safe, then, then let it stay. And uh, yeah, and I think, yeah, it, it's lovely. I mean, I'm looking around here now, you know, Judy, and I can see, you know, your leaves drops that are there and, Harriet's getting very critical about your gardening. <laughs> I know, you know. Did you <laughs> notice, Judy? I'm really I'm sorry. I'm looking the other way. But... <laughs> <laughs> You're just getting me in trouble, Tony. You're so naughty. Untidy garden. Unti yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that? Did you hear that, everybody? I said James Judy Gentry's garden is untidy. Can we edit that bit, please? <laughs> yes, please, can we? <laughs> can I ask Judy a question, Harriet? Of course. Because I've always wanted to know... We had Don't a, ask me about worms, you know that. No. See, anything in the world I'm frightened of. I oh, OK, it won't be about worms. I have to put my feet up on the I, I've often wondered, we had a great time filming My Passion for Trees, and you mentioned that uh, you learnt so much about listening to trees through the stethoscope. What was your favourite part that we, took, that we did on that, on that programme? 
what what did you enjoy the most? I don't know where to begin. We really had a wonderful time, didn't we? We did. I remember that where we heard that tree. Do you remember? Oh no, you weren't with I, me. I wasn't there. Well, but... that morning was sunny and misty, and full of bluebells, yeah. a, a mass of bluebells, and that tree doing <laughs> all the time. <laughs> It was a wonderful moment. Can you remember the yew tree? Where? With, at, um, just down, just down the, just round the corner, the old yew oh, tree in the where the cannonball was found. Where the cannonball was found, yeah. Wasn't that that was the that first? Was fantastic. That we did. Yeah. Yes, that's very very old hollow tree. It is now. Yeah. You could get inside. Yeah, and so and this was an old tree that was hollow and with a door on. Yes that the village could have a meeting inside the yew tree in the church. And, the, and the, there's no doubt the yew tree was there before the church, so the yes. church was built by the yew tree. And um, the director gave me a cannonball, so we were in the tree having a look at it, and he said, just give that, show that to Judy. And it was a cannonball that they found in the tree when they hollowed it out from the Civil War. And, uh, and I remember giving this cannonball to Judy and... Uh, and just and it and it really brought home how old that tree was, and um, and then you know relating that to history, to the locality, and, and what that tree had seen, and we were both in awe of it, weren't we, Judy? Certainly were. It just not just its beauty, but the were. everything that that tree had witnessed. Yeah. It was it was it was a quite a timely moment actually. Well, there was something you touched on earlier that I thought was, you know, really interesting when you said about, you know, a year in the life of a tree is kind of an equivalent of to ours, maybe up to 50 years. And that's the mm. thing, isn't it? You know, mm. some of these trees, you know, minimum life of 300 years. Yeah. You know, it, it's it's astonishing, really. Yeah. Um, uh, what, you know, climate, environment, the people stories that would have occurred around that tree. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and obviously... You know, the lovely phrase that you, you spoke about, you know, the, the time when to plant a tree should have been... Oh, yeah, the Chinese proverb. Yeah. yeah. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Yes. The next best time's today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, 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 you know, and, and I mean, I, re I remember sort of walking through the Arboretum um, at Kew with you, you know, having yeah. a, a after hours, and we were very lucky because something had cancelled and we had Tony Kirkham to ourselves. And we're walking through... And you're talking about all the different trees and how you've planted, you know, small baby trees ready for just in case the grown-up all of a sudden decides mm -hmm. to kill at one time, this whole mm. succession. But it was also the avenue of trees, the long avenue that in queue, and thinking, you know what, it's, it's a really selfless act to plant a tree mm. as well because you, you're not <clears> going <throat> to see it grow up. But don't, doesn't it... Don't you think about Capability Brown? Yeah. Mm. Every house I visit that they say this is Capability, you think he 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 had the vision mm. to see it as we're seeing it now, all those years ago. Yeah. It's such a selfless thing to do. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what, as well, it, Capability Brown fascinates me, how he got from house to house, because he didn't have a car. He, he had a horse-drawn car. Yeah, and... You know, one minute he'd be at Chatsworth, then he could be at Kew, and then he could be at the Annick Castle, and he was everywhere. And I don't know how he managed to do what he did, but I, I marvel at, at what he did and the legacy that he uh, he left us. It's, it is that vision, isn't it? Yeah, um, it is. And, and thinking that people mm. in the future will will be able to see yeah. this huge avenue of trees, the lake, the and, yeah. and the whole and. and well, it's like designing a set yes. for a play that's going to be done yeah. in 300 years or something, isn't it? I, I've just copied Capability Brown, actually. Capability Kirkham. And <laughs> what, Capable Kirkham? Capable, Capable Kirkham. Kirkham. Capable Kirkham. Yeah. That's and he, for me. He used to plant three trees, three different species, close to each other. So depending on which direction you approach them from, so if you came in one direction, it could be a London plane. If you came from another direction, it could be a horse chestnut, and from another direction, a lime. And I just thought, how did he have the vision to do that? So I've done the same. Small trees, um, but hopefully in a couple of hundred years, someone will say, 
capability Kirkham had a car, he so did. he could get from there to be quicker than capability Brown. But I, I'm hoping that someone will appreciate, because I'll never see it. Of course they will. But I'm hoping that someone will see that and appreciate that vision from three different angles. Amazing, amazing people. Yeah. But what we need to do now is to um, be diverse in our plantings. We've got to be more diverse, more diversity. And Judy's gardens are classic. You know, you can we can walk around and it is a mini arboretum with trees from all over the world. And, um, and, and that's what we've got to do now so that we build um, a resilient landscape to climate like the summer we've had so maybe more there's no such thing as a drought resistant tree but more drought tolerant um, who knows we might have a really cold winter this this year we don't know um, and, and then resilient to pests and diseases and the more different species we plant in a landscape and in a garden like Judy has then the stronger that and more resilient that landscape will be. Your um, discovery of Shakespeare and his and the connection of trees through through the works. How has that reframed how you think of Shakespeare now? You've worked, you know, in so many plays and so much. I don't think it's affected. I don't think it's affected anything in that area, except that the more you know about things, the more you then, when it's referred to, know what you're talking about <laughs> and look more convincing, maybe. But. Uh, I think a kind of awareness of anything, of anything in nature, because nature is referred to a great deal in Shakespeare, so that anything that you're... Well, you know that thing about um, golden lads and girls all must as chimney sweepers come to dust. In, that's in Cymbeline. Uh, well, it, I, I had it explained to me a long, long, long time ago when it, that as chimney sweepers come to dust, chimney sweepers, are, what are they called, Tony? Those, those, little, those little things that have very, very, very tight... It's a, it's a weed and it's a, quite a strong stem and it's got a, a, a long... A long fruit, I suppose, is like that, but it doesn't... Yeah. Really, a long seed to seeds. Okay. Because what it what what it was was, and then we picked one the other day. Mm -hmm. We yeah. saw one the other day, and what it was was that when you pick it, they used to you twist the stem round and do that, and the whole thing goes like that, just oh. to, in a like dandelion. Okay. And that's what that that's what that was about. Oh. That, that's what chimney sweepers were. Oh. And there's that there's a thing about. Um, then shapes our ends, isn't there? That's hedge laying, of course. So there's lots of sort of references. There's lots of references. Yeah. Right, lots okay. of references. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I think that's... I mean, again, like you say, once you know something, it enriches, doesn't it? Your, yes, the, the, yes. The delivery and you of what long, you're doing. Perhaps you long, you long to kind of stop and say to you, do you know <laughs> what that... That isn't chimney sweepers, you know. That's a little, you know, you long to say it. You can't do that, of course, make the play too long, too boring, too long. <laughs> I, I remember doing Macbeth at school. <clears throat> I failed it. I failed all-level English literature, but never mind. Um, and, and I was fascinated. The only bit I was fascinated about was the moving forest. Yes, and Burnham if the, Wood. If, yeah, and if the forest moved, then... And, and I was fascinated how they move, how they move the, forest, the forest. But they cut the trees down, I yes. presume, and then hid behind them and... Camouflage. And, and camouflage, yeah. yeah. Which, which... I mean, I think that soldiers have done that mm. quite recently, don't they? Get, wear camouflage in helmets yeah. Yeah, and yeah. things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Burnham Wood and Dunson and... Oh, gosh. Judy, the world is so driven by technology and, you know, it's something that, you know, I I'm, I'm embrace, I'm aware of, we need it on some levels, but I, I also think there's intuition that is sometimes lost, you know, with people and their connection to nature. I just wonder what you feel about that. Well, I have 
not got any kind of technical mind whatsoever. I can barely put the radio on. I just know the knobs for the radio. <laughs> um, so I have nothing. But m my grandson knows absolutely everything about technology. I don't want him to miss out. So perhaps I have to, uh, I have to be nudging him a lot and pointing out things that, um, except he notices things. So you know. But um, but I think if we, I think it's a pity, for instance, on a walk, if people are walking and and looking at things and not actually being aware of what's around them, I think that's um, I think that's a pity. But then some people don't want to do that. Mm. They just want to go for a walk and and do their iPad or whatever or whatever it is they have, that thing. <laughs> you work with your thumbs very quickly. Um, I think as long as things are pointed out, you know, I think it's a pity if you're passing something in a car and you see something wonderful that you don't draw people's attention to it. Yeah. It's a very naive thing to say, but I think it's a pity if if that ever goes, the awareness of the seasons, for instance, mm. changes in colour, mm. the changes in um, in trees and things. That's why he he's got um, he's got an oak tree. In fact, I wonder where it is. He's been very quiet about it. Um, I keep talking about Brentford a lot. I notice he's gone a bit quiet. I suspect that <laughs> Everton has come to a sticky end. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> but no, it's, I mean, I think it's a really, you know, and I think it is a pity. I think that is a really good way of putting it. I mean, you know, I think that by us being observant of, of nature um, and having that awareness... It, it helps us manage change. You know, seeing something change externally helps all the changes that we go through as well. That's my my view on it. And, you know, Tony, obviously, you know, I don't know over the years in terms of seeing how things must have shifted in terms mm. of science and research and mm. data sharing, you know, the, uh, what is that? What do you think about that? I think, uh, I mean, a lot of what I have learned... Um, about what trees need and how to manage trees is by observation. And, you know, I've written several books and you can read any, any book, but you'll, you'll learn more by immersing yourself in an arboretum or in a woodland. And wherever I go around the world on holiday or business, then one of the things I always ask or always want to do is to go into a native woodland, the forest, and see the trees that I was growing artificially in an arboretum at Kew see them growing in the wild yes. with their friends and associated flora, animals, birds, and they get so much from that. And you can learn so much what trees need, and then you can turn that into um, cultural practices, you know, whether, whether it's pruning, planting, feeding, mulching, you know, every, everything we do we've learnt by watching what trees need in nature. And I, and. I, I always used to say to people, you can't manage a garden or an arboretum now from an office. You've got to be out there because, yeah. as you said, Eric, the seasons are changing. You know, we, we're really, we've got two seasons now, autumn, winter, spring and summer, and they merge. Whereas I remember when I was a child, bonfire night was, you know, there were no leaves on trees, it was cold, and that was the start of winter. Now winter starts January. You know, so autumn goes right through till Christmas, and the the ground still. I always I, and I've changed my um, practices now. So I'm an advocate of autumn planting. You know, we should be out now starting planting. This is a really good time because the ground's warm and they'll they'll. Is the this a good time grow. for a tree? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, is it? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Tony. Yeah. Right. So I'd I'd be starting planting as soon as possible. And, uh, and then the trees have, say, three or four months up till Christmas to do some root activity, and then as soon as spring starts, they're away mm. and they're ahead of the game. Whereas if mm. we plant in spring now, we're, every year for the last seven years, we've had a drought in April. Dry, you know, no mm. rain in April, May, and sometimes into June. Mm. Well, we have to water those trees, and they're on the back foot. So if we can give them a head start. So... Every, we have to be flexible and, and, and move with change. And uh, we'll, uh, we'll do some planting this autumn, Judy. Yes, I want to do some a bit. I have about four or five trees yeah. that I've got to plant soon. Fantastic. And can I do that? Yes. 
Yeah. Any time. As soon as, well, it, the ground needs to, you know, it's starting to take that moisture up now yeah. from the rain we've had. It's warm. Yeah. Uh, and I, I would be, uh, I would be planting. So it was in about four weeks' time. Four weeks' time, perfect, right. absolutely perfect. Good. Yeah. Is that a date? Okay. <laughs> We're on. You're on. Oh, having a date. Very okay. good. A tree date. A tree date. A tree, a tree date. date. Yeah. I love that. And Tony, with the tree planting, you know there is, you know, root balls. There's bare root. Can you just mm. give us a little bit more um, explanation around the types of trees that can be planted at this time? Because there's, diff there's different ways, yeah. isn't there? Yeah. Well, as you say, the, if we start with bare root, that means that these are trees that have uh, exposed roots, no soil attached to the roots, so they're generally quite small. Usually things like whips, uh, things up to about uh, half a meter tall mainly for woodland planting, hedgerow planting, so they're cheap and they're very easy to plant. Then once you get to a certain size, then uh, then you're looking at container grown, and there are lots of different containers now um, that produce really good uh, tree roots. Uh, and then you go to root ball, which is where they're lifted from the field, um, but they have a ball of soil attached to the roots, and uh, and, it, and it's, you know, it, it means that the tree's not stressing it's not taking a backward step and and generally trees that are grown with root balls or in containers have a, a, a really good root system that gets them away to a to a good start so and depending on the size of tree the type of tree a good nurseryman will advise what what the root ball should be i'm just thinking actually about something you said earlier on um judy which i thought was so nice and maybe we don't do and and Tony, I don't know what your take on this as well, is that we don't really grow trees from seed anymore or from, you know, like the acorns that you gave out to your family. That yeah. is so lovely because yeah. they get to see every process. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, like you just said, as you're describing the roots, you know, being able to see that in that little vase yeah. and <clears> that <throat> real connection. And I know something like an oak because people get obviously worried, of course, an oak is in its maturity is huge. But I've also seen... Um, it was a lovely, lovely gardener up in Suffolk. He was so wonderful. And he was saying how he had a little oak seedling and he just would manage it, almost kind of, you yeah. know, toperize it, if you like, so that you can you can manage it. Obviously, it's not the total preferred, but it was a way that mm. don't don't be scared to kind Absolutely, of have something, yeah. to, mm. you know, mm. Uh, mm. to grow mm. from, from, from yeah. an acorn, say, or from a seed. And, and you know, Judy has, has given all... If, she didn't give me one, by the way. Um, I didn't give you one. No, you didn't give me one, Judy. Oh, fancy. But I'll, I won't remember that. But I've, I've a friend in Cornwall, and she has uh, a, a small estate. And I, you know, we went down for a, a week, a week's break in the spring, and there were some magnificent oaks in the field. And she was going to go out and buy some trees to replant in the hedgerows. And I said, the best thing you can do is collect the acorns from these oaks and either direct seed them in the hedgerows, so collect them and put them down the hedgerows, or grow some on and plant them, because they're magnificent trees. They love, you know, that's where they've grown for, and these were about three or 400 years old. That's where they've been used to growing, and they'll, so the offspring from those, the siblings from those, will grow particularly well in that area. So she rang me yesterday and said, is it now time to collect the acorns? Because as Judy said, it's a great year, there's loads of acorns mm. there. And I said, yeah, go, get out there now. And then she said, unlike Judy, would you like one? So um, I, I said I would, actually. Never going to live it down, <laughs> am I? Never going to live it down. <laughs> we could have a white oak and a red oak, Judy, couldn't we? Back to the Yorkshire. Yeah, yeah, a red oak from North America and a white oak from North America. And your Danish connection there, your and red the and your white. the Danish connection, yeah. Cool. And we could do a capability round and plant them in a cross. We could. Yeah. We could. Let's find a place. We will. Okay. It's we've heard it here first. It's on the podcast. Yes. It will happen. I can tell it now. Will, it will happen. <laughs> <clears throat> and he'll go on moaning about the fact that I never gave him an acorn. <laughs> oh, oh, I love that. I love that. <clears throat> now we're talking of, of of crossing over of things here because. In the programme, you, you know, your passion for trees, I, I think I recall that you said that maybe maybe you might lecture 
on trees one day. No, oh. I must. I can't accept that, Harry. I must have had a mental aberration. I can't lecture on anything. Oh, okay. We won't hold you to that. I was hoping to sort of hear hear our, our, our Dame Judy Dench tree lecture, but I, I, maybe I, maybe I got that wrong. No, I think you did. I, 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 I must have must got have that wrong. The I must way have I spoke and muffled my words. <laughs> but I did hear. What well, I think I did <clears> hear, though, is that life is about trees and champagne. Did you hear that? Yes. Yes. Was it that way round? <laughs> <laughs> Let me check my notes. <laughs> it is. It, life certainly is about trees, certainly. And champagne comes into it a bit somewhere. <laughs> the celebration. Quite right. The celebration of trees. Quite right. <laughs> Perfect. Thanks for listening to the BBC Gardener's World magazine podcast. So, if you've enjoyed this episode, please tell others about it and rate us in your podcast provider app. And we'll see you next time.